Welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley, here with my brother. I'm Ty Turley. And we're going to be talking about Molly's Game today. All right, cool. Before we get too into Molly's Game, wanted to talk about kind of our movie genre question of the week. And since we're talking about Molly's Game today, I thought we'd do our favorite casino and or gambling movie. And I'm going to start with Ocean's Eleven. Fun, fast-paced the actors, action. I think it's a great movie. Okay. What's the one with Mark Wahlberg? The Gambler. The Gambler. That was pretty good. You think that movie's going to take a turn where he becomes like a tough guy with a gun? And then it doesn't. I, th- I thought it was so good. Yeah. I really like that too. And I also love that scene with John Goodman in the bathhouse. Yeah. I just remember that being like crazy. That's a good one. There's another one that came out uh, last year that I didn't see that was supposed to be really good about this guy that just uh, followed around. Or he, he was a gambler in the South. Do you remember that movie? I don't know that one. Uh, I wanted to see it. I didn't. But it, was, it, it, was, it got very little theater time. Very limited release. Um, but it was supposed to be amazingly good. I'm going to look it up because I want to see it. Hmm. There was a Netflix movie, Win It All about a gambler in Chicago who is not very good at gambling. I think most gambling movies are about gamblers who aren't very good at it. Yeah. Or are very good at it when they need to be. Yeah. Does he go on a road trip to the South? No. He stays in Chicago the whole time. And it's a true... No, it's not fiction. I don't know that. I've never heard of that one. Jake Johnson is in it from New Girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember hearing about that movie. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to cut all that, so... Are we? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the joke. <laughs> this is too much, too deep. Uh, all right, well, let's yeah, start talking about Molly's Game. If, um, I, if I find that movie I was thinking of, we'll put a link in the text of them. Can you do that? Someone can do it. Can I do it? Is a, a different question. Okay. It'll be on our webpage. <laughs> I definitely can't do that. This... This podcast is just starting out, but it's about to get real professional. Taking it to the next level. Um, so I guess as we start talking about Molly's game, do you want to give an overview, sort of your general thoughts of the movie, how you felt? I took a screenwriting class a year ago, and we used the social network as an example of writing. And, I mean, not, not like a... It's a good example, but not like we're fawning over it. But we analyzed how Aaron Sorkin does these things when he's writing, where one character will say something and then another character will cross-talk and not respond to what the character just said and will go to something else. And then maybe there's the third character who responds to that, maybe. But eventually it comes back to the first character, like doesn't hear what the other character said and just continues at the point where they left off. The point is not to make your dialogue always so literal and make it so that it's... uh, I guess more realistic because we do that in real life somewhat. But having now having known that and then watching this movie, it was just really <laughs> hard because the whole time it just felt very glossy. The dialogue felt very stylized and I sort of hated how, how contrived it was, how he followed that pattern that I just described over and over again. Yeah. Like, okay, I get it. You have this little this ploy that you go back to all the time. So... I kind of had to like sit through this movie being like, I'm uncomfortable. Oh gosh. I get what he's doing. This is too much, too many coincidences. And the jumping back and forth in time was too stylized for me. I just thought it was so far from anything genuine, any kind of genuine 
humanity or human emotion that I didn't I did not connect to it. Yeah, I think this may be my least favorite Aaron Sorkin screenplay that I've you know seen, and maybe it's because he also was directing, so it's not just like kind of his 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 style was more visible because it's not just the words; it's also like how things are shot and paced. Yeah, there was no director to mitigate or soften some of his tendencies. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I, mean, I think the characters, the actors did a good job. I thought Jessica Chastain was really great in that, in that role, side of the, kind of that cold calculating, but then also a little out of control. You know, I think she kind of got sucked up into it, and I thought she did a good job portraying that. And, I mean, I think she was a good person. She had, she had to toe a fine line between being a good person, you know, she genuinely loves and, or not loves, but protects her clients and does the morally and ethically high ground thing at the same time as having a lot of flaws and yeah. making mistakes. I think that was a very hard balance. I also thought, yeah, I thought she did excellent. Yeah, I think the, the thing that kept sticking out to me was just sort of that fast pace and a lot of cuts in time, just maybe more anxious than I like to be in a movie. Uh, and then, you know, we can talk about it, but at the end, she's ice skating and her dad is there at the ice rink in New York. And I saw you visibly react in the theater to just like, no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. Did you think it was no, ridiculous? I couldn't believe he was there. I thought it was like a vision or like she was going to be imagining it. Exactly. It, it started out, he had to be imagined because why in the world would her dad be at the ice rink? But then they threw in a line to try to explain it and it still wasn't good enough. He's like, I called your mom at the hotel and she said you'd be here. Because I think I think Aaron Sorkin knew this is too much. It's too much. It's too coincidental. And he, he doesn't need that. I mean, he wants... It just feels like he, he wants to have so much control of the world. It's, it's not the real world. It's Aaron Sorkin's world. And he doesn't realize that when he makes a choice like that, he comes out making him look like that kind of control freak, I think. Yeah, and it just means it's too tight. He doesn't allow for like kind of blue sense. He wants it all to be like really connected. You see things. I don't know. It, it didn't come off very, very well for me in this movie. Yeah. So coming out of it, did you have a, a question you went to Google to answer? I did. I Googled. I tried to figure out what the real Molly Bloom was doing now. Okay. But I couldn't find it. I was trying to figure out who Player X was. And the consensus is Tobey Maguire on the internet. Who I, I did know... Interesting. Is a very strong poker player. And a total and, jerk, apparently. Yeah, kind of a jerk. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they stylized him. Other people thought that Player X was like a combination of celebrity players that she knew in L.A., but mostly Tobey Maguire. Huh. Interesting. And he really, I mean, as far as we know, he really staked some other good player just so that he could have good competition. Like Tobey Maguire really did, or no? That n- nothing of like what actually happened is confirmed to be something he did. Okay. So I don't. I guess I don't know that part. Um, yeah, I mean, you start getting into that world of that that high stakes of poker. You're gonna have all these people that are kind of criminals, and I, I just think it's interesting if you're dealing in a world where everyone's that rich, you wouldn't have to have criminals. But I think there is this natural thing that. People that are that rich are often that rich illegally. And so then you do get into having the, the, the Ponzi scheme broker and the Russian mafia just naturally happens. 
Yeah, and if you're that rich, not illegally, you might not be the kind of person that's gambling in a illegal poker game at high stakes. Right? Like, I just feel like if you're someone who comes by your wealth, honestly, that might not be how you spend your time. Exactly. Like, the person who is willing to take the risk to do something illegal is someone who likes risk. Yeah. And they're going to be also attracted to the poker game. So it's kind of inevitable that... I don't know. I mean, Molly Bloom, the narrator, acts like she couldn't have known. But even that first guy, the first um, her boss who gets her into running the first game, she points out that he's a total loser, like shady guy, does kind of lies to try to get his way in Hollywood, and yeah, it is not a great world to be in. No, it made me think I could run a poker game because <laughs> you know spreadsheets. I, I do know spreadsheets. <laughs> Uh, spreadsheets are such a key change the world <laughs> yeah when exactly it was like mid aughts or something early 2000s I think yeah early 2000s I guess spreadsheets would have been weird then <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I would have been in high school and I did not want you to excel in high school so I guess you wouldn't have known how to do that what they were doing in, a, in the in the movie well it wasn't too crazy no, it was it a wasn't. name and it was money <laughs> no how much they took in. It was like a data set of like columns and columns. Yeah, there's no algorithm tracking their winnings and losings. Right. It wasn't so, I don't know. She just basically took a piece of paper, what would be on a piece of paper, and put it in a spreadsheet. Yeah. That was funny. Um, we talked a little bit about Jessica Chastain, but I guess, how do you think other people did in this movie acting-wise? So Idris Elba, Michael Sarah, Jessica Chastain... Expound. Well, I yeah, I mean, I really like Jessica Chastain in it. I thought she was great. I thought she, like I said, balanced things really well. And she's also she she has that iciness, but also that sort of girl next door charm too, a little bit. And I felt really empathetic towards her um, growing up with the tough dad that she did, and and so I felt like that was yeah really strong. The best part of the movie, Idris Elba was he was okay. I mean his. I thought his accent was kind of weird sometimes, or it just got distracting how he was talking. Yeah. Um, a little bit unnatural, American English. Well, yeah, I mean, he had to do something. He had a few... I mean, Aaron Sorkin does write these really uh, dramatic speeches, monologues. That kind of blow up in the deposition. Yeah. Him to do the right thing and let her go. He got really emotional. Yeah. But, but weirdly emotional in that moment, I would have said. Yeah. It's not even, it's not in character, it's, it's a weird, it's, it feels manipulative or out of place to me. Yeah, and I think you get the interaction between the lawyer and Molly Bloom is where you get the most of that sort of Aaron Sorkin crosstalk. Yeah. Like, let's start a conversation and have two other conversations and then circle back to telling you when's the last time I slept. Five minutes later. Yeah. So ridiculous. Michael Sarah was, I thought, good. Not a very dynamic part, because... I think he needed to be sort of subdued and... Just kind of smug. Yeah. So yeah I, I think he was good, yeah. Happy to see him get work. Yeah? It's been a while. <laughs> Chris O'Dowd was in it. Did you see that? But <laughs> he, I, funny. Who was he? Oh, he was the FBI informant at the New York game. Oh, that's... Oh, my gosh. When I read Chris O'Dowd, I thought Chris... O'Connell. <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember seeing Chris O'Connell in this film. This is a different movie with Chris O'Connell. Yeah, no, Chris O'Dowd, of course it's that guy. Yes, I did know that. 
Oh, he was, he was Oh, he was hilarious. <laughs> he was so good. Oh, he was so funny. Yeah, I loved him. <laughs> that phone call? I didn't tell him. I didn't. Uh, I protected you. What a fun part to get to be the drunk guy. Yeah, he did a, oh, he did a good job on that. Yeah, I guess I think because the dialogue is strong, it gives the actors a lot to work with. I think dialogue goes a long way in how actors do it in a movie. Yeah, I'm sure they liked it. I'm sure, I'm sure it's fun to work get to do that. that because, yeah, you get, to, you get to be expressive. Aaron Sorkin does this other thing, I think, where he makes everything kind of literary or puts allusions in to other literary works. Like the Crucible. Know, the Crucible, kind of the pretentiousness of the daughter. Seemed, she seemed the daughter of the prosecutor. Or the defendant, defender. Yeah. Sorry, she seemed like a very Aaron Sorkin character of just being kind of impossibly wise for her age, and the kind of weird asides. I'm trying to remember exactly what she said, but something about how something how something in the galaxy smells like yeah. strawberry. Yeah, milk. some like <laughs> random scientific weird fact that has nothing to do with the story at all. That a, I mean, a normal person might say that. What's like? Why would she have been thinking of it? Yeah. I, I just hate that. I don't hate it, but like it just, for me, it's like, okay. Takes you out of it a little Takes bit. me out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Sorkin's been working in Hollywood a long time. Maybe just decided he wanted that challenge of directing. Do you think he'll keep directing, doing more, more movies? I haven't heard anything about it. Maybe it really does depend on how this exactly. movie does. Exactly. He'll get opportunities if this movie does well. Yeah. He's definitely a set writer. I mean, he can, I'm oh. sure he'll get more stuff he writes produced. Yeah, I mean, if you were thinking about kind of Aaron Sorkin writing, where would you, what, what are you, what are his, what's his best movie that he's written in your mind? I like The Social Network. Okay. I like Newsroom. I watched that series. And Did you know he wrote A Few Good Men? No. I think he peaked early. That's <laughs> was, a great movie. It's a great movie. Uh, but now, okay, now I'd want to watch it again with that in mind to see if he's got the tells. And... <laughs> Like, do people stop not pay attention to what people are saying? Yeah. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> okay. Do you think he'll direct again? I, I bet. I'm sure I he, bet he wants to. to. I think yeah. he, why, why wouldn't he want to be able to control something? Yeah. And his, his stuff's been successful enough that... I mean, this one wouldn't have been very expensive. It's people in rooms. Yeah. You could do... I mean, that's a low, it's a lower budget kind of adult drama. I like, I like that about it. Yeah, that's true. Oh, but did we talk about... Did you like the, the, the cutting back and forth in time? Um, it depends on the story and how it's being used, but I think it was kind of necessary in this one because if you just told the linear story, it'd be kind of weird to just show all of the gambling and then the courtroom. Is that how you would have done it? You would have liked that more? Yeah, I think I would have. If, if you allowed the tension to build as she was running the game, I just think that's a better, more natural just... story engaging device I mean you can see her change from being like yeah you know getting more sophisticated and then turning to drugs getting like kind of that interaction with the mafia yeah you see that build and then it's like oh no it's like show don't tell because I guess right away you know she hasn't run a game in two years and she's drug free yeah she constantly says that so it's like okay she got out it makes it like it's interesting to be sort of meta in the way that they're talking you know she's talking about like a book deal or selling the rights to make a movie. Totally. In the movie. That totally also seems like an Aaron Sorkin meta thing to me. Yeah. Which kind of annoyed me. 
it's like, yeah, wink, wink. She's discussing the movie rights, and this is the movie of the book. Like, we got it. I got those rights. Yeah. Look at me. I did it. Paid 35000 for it. <laughs> that, that was the book forward. But, yeah, I guess, are there other likes or dislikes in this movie you want to talk about that we haven't covered yet? Yeah, I mean, I thought Kevin Costner was good as a, Cold. a very horrible dad. Yeah. I mean, that, that conversation on the park bench after ice skating was, that's like a hyper-intelligent conversation, too. Like, unrealistically so. Right. But I thought he did a good job with what he was given. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's give some ratings out of five. No half points. So... What's your rating? Yeah, I'll go first. I think I'd rate this a three. Mm. I thought, you know, the dialogue was interesting, fast-paced, which I know I said did cause me a little bit of anxiety, but it's still it's still fun to listen to that style. And I think it's inter- an interesting story and world, you know, something that I wouldn't, don't experience in my day-to-day life that I like to see into. Okay. I'd give it a low two. Almost a one. That's just a two. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a low two, okay? I'm sticking with that. Yeah, it just was too much for me and too uh, uh, so stylized that it became silly. I think that world is fascinating. I just wish it would have been us seeing that world instead of us seeing Aaron Sorkin talking about the prosecutor and the client talking about that world. Yeah, I wonder what would this movie have looked like if a different director got the rights to the story? Mm-hmm. Where it's not... Yeah, just a different way to tell that story. It's kind of surprising Aaron Sorkin would do this movie, I thought, uh, because he seems like he does things that are more public-minded, more in the public square. This seems like a very private, like... I mean, maybe maybe he's showing a window on Hollywood, celebrity, mega rich culture, but... Well, and I think, you know, there's a lot about how the government prosecutes people or, or does things. And, you know, they talk about how unfair it is that she had, like, the civil forfeiture of her, all her assets without a warrant. And it just all has that line about, oh, is the government making it hard for you to defend yourself so that you will plead guilty? Like, absolutely. Or take, or take make a deal with them. Like, that's, that's their goal. So he, I think he was commenting a little bit on the justice side of our, our life. Yeah, I can see that. A little bit. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't like it. Okay. All right. That's, that's okay. All right. Before we wrap up, just want to give another recommendation. Something you've been watching, reading, listening to. Well, this movie made me think, if you, uh, if you really want to learn about that stuff you were just talking about, you should watch Billions. Do you ever watch that? Yeah, I love Billions. I love Billions so much. I love the dynamic of learning about how the prosecutor's office works. And how pragmatic it is. And that just seems like a much higher stakes also drama with great characters. Nice. You? Yeah, uh, I've been reading Devil in the White City, a book about Chicago and hosting the World Fair in 1892. It tells the story of two men, the lead architecture of the fair, and a doctor in Chicago who is a serial killer. Spoiler alert. It's crazy. (laughs) He owned land near the fairgrounds, had it built as a hotel, but built a sealed soundproof room and basically a crematorium, you know, a furnace that could burn a body. And it just tells the story of the people he interacted with and all the disappearances. Uh, He got married multiple times. 
and just would, yeah, I mean, make, make people disappear. People were coming to Chicago at that time from all over the world and all over the country, very disorganized. The police didn't have a good, like, kind of forensic way to look for these people. And he just got away with it for so long. And I'm uh, like three-fourths of the way through, so I don't, I think he gets caught eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading that book and thinking, like, the murder chapter, it switches back and forth every other chapter. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I don't want to read these murder chapters anymore. I only want the murder. If, if I... Really? When I'm about to stop reading, I'm like, well, I'll just read to one more murder chapter. <laughs> I think it's so much more interesting. Uh, I just... I was like, this is too much. This guy's sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I think it has been optioned uh, by Scorsese. Oh, interesting. So it might be a movie eventually. Yeah. Uh, just looking... At, I mean, I guess it seems like two interesting stories to tell, but why together? Yeah. It's a very hard contrast. Well, and there's no, it's not like it ties it together in the end in a cute way. I mean, there's just, they just happen to be at the same time. Yeah, in the same place. Yeah. Uh, I think that was part of what I didn't like too, but it was good. I, li- I read it when I lived right there. I lived like five blocks from where the World's Fair was. Yeah, that's awesome. So Cool. That's our uh, review of Molly's Game. Thanks for listening. This has been Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. I'm Ty Turley. See you next time.